are going to talk a little bit about these candles. And some of you may be familiar with Advent candle and lighting them. Um, others, maybe it's not something that you've practiced at your churches, but here at Bruce City, we tend to do that every year. And I really love just the reminder that these candles are. There's nothing magical about them, but there's just a gentle reminder in them. And as we think about Christmas, I just kind of want to think about the fact that a voice began this story of Jesus. And it was the voice of a young, courageous woman. A young woman who decided all by herself, which is a really subversive thing. She didn't go and talk to her dad. She didn't talk to her betrothed. She made a decision and she decided that at the young age of maybe 12 or 13, whether the story would even happen as we know it today. Mary's let it be gets everything started. And that courageous, hesitant voice brings God even more fully into our world. A young girl in an unknown town makes an astonishing announcement. She, she announces that God will transform the injustices of the world. She announces that God will live among those in society that have been rejected and that he will bring a new kingdom that uplifts the lowly and protects the vulnerable. I don't know about you, but that is good news of great joy. And so as we think about these candles, we started our journey on the Advent candles four weeks ago. And as we did, we lit a candle. And lighting a candle is a simple yet profound act. It's a testimony to the power of light over darkness. And so four weeks ago, we lit the first one, and it was the candle of hope. And as we did that, we thought about Mary and the song she sang that did all those things that I just talked about, those things about transforming the injustices of the world, that God would live among the society, in the society among the rejected people, that he'd bring a new kingdom that uplifts the lowly and protects the vulnerable. And so during this time of candle lighting tonight, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to just do some responsive readings about each of the candles, and we're going to start with hope. So would you stand with me? I will read the part that says leader, and you can join me where it says congregation. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will rise to rule over the nations. In him, all people will hope. And as we did that, we, we thought about hope that week, and we thought about what does it mean that God would come and meet us. And then three weeks ago, we lit a second candle of the Advent wreath, and it was called the Candle of Peace. And we thought about peace on earth. What would it mean to have peace on earth? What would it mean to sleep in heavenly peace? We celebrate the birth and anticipate this Prince of Peace, the one who before he became a savior, he would become a survivor. 
not unlike his mother, who in her let it be brought hope. He met there as the Prince of Peace. So let's read together. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So we have hope and we have peace. And then in the season of Advent, we take a kind of a shift. And all of a sudden, the third week is about joy. Just like the children just sang about joy to the world. The Lord has come. And there's other verses in that song that say, He comes to make his blessing known, far as the curse is found. Joy has come. And it begs the question of if we will prepare him room. Good news that brings great joy. So let's read together. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And then just last week, we lit the fourth candle, the candle of love, and we sang just as we sang in the first song. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. And the reminder was given that the only law we need to be worried about is the law of love. His law is love. It's that simple. Love God, love others, the only law we need to follow. So as we think about that, let's read together. Read with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And now tonight, we light the Christ candle, the culmination of Advent, at least the first Advent. And yet we wait in anticipation for his coming again to set all things right. We celebrate, so let us remember how our Savior once came as a lowly baby, that the world through him might be saved, and how he will return one day in glory and fulfill the waiting we find ourselves in even tonight. Oh, come, Emmanuel, light of the world, would you read with me? The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, 
he gave the right to become children of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so, Father, tonight, Father, Son, and Spirit, we come into your presence and we are grateful. We are grateful for all that you did, for all that it means as we celebrate this time and this season, as we think about your birth and your coming into this world and shaking things up. And we wait with expectant hearts when all that will come to completion, when you will set all things to right, when you will truly be, even in all fulfillment, the light of the world. So we thank you, Father. We thank you, Son. We thank you, Holy Spirit, Spirit, for your love, for your example of um, relationship and joy and celebration and honoring of one another. And we thank you that you invite us right into the center of it. And so may we enter there tonight. In your name, amen. You can have a seat.
heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. You can take a seat. Well, Merry Christmas, friends. Thank you. Online friends, those who couldn't make it out in the cold or who aren't just able or to make it out at all, we are so glad you're with us. Merry Christmas to you. Hope you're warm and cozy. We are not. <laughs> you might have made a good choice if you're at home watching live online now or warm tomorrow night whenever you're watching this. This building was built in 1902. It's beautiful, isn't it? We can all agree on that. We can also agree it sucks in here. Because, see, in 1902, apparently they didn't have or know about insulation. In these windows, they're historic because the city makes them, makes us put them in that way, but they're not warm. So I apologize. Our furnace is fighting a losing battle tonight, and we're just going to have to be warmed by the story of Christmas. Last year, the Christmas, the Christmas sermon is always a struggle for pastors who have been doing this for a while. This is my 16th. Christmas as a pastor, and that means this is the 16th time I've had to talk about this, and, you, and it starts out really fun, and then it gets trying to, hard trying to figure out what to creatively speak into this same story every year, but see, the beauty of it is that this Christmas story is like the scriptures. It's like a diamond. There's endless amounts of facets to it. Last year, I... Uh, I did this fun thing with the worship team, and I talked through several of my Christ favorite Christmas hymns. If you were here, you might remember. And it was really fun. We like talking about our favorite Christmas songs. Let me ask you a question. What are some of the worst Christmas songs? I hear a little mumbling. You guys can feel free to chime in. On, if you're online, comment as well. What are some of your... What is your least favorite Christmas song? And it doesn't, let's not, let's not be unholy and name a hymn. We're talking like the stuff that you hear on 93.3 FM. What's, the, what's, the, what's your least favorite Christmas song? Feliz Navidad, Last Christmas. All I want for Christmas is you. My Santa baby, okay, we're getting, we're get, this is a healing experience I feel like right now. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer, okay. Some songs are decent, but then the, an artist wrecks it. You know what I mean? Maybe Bruce Springsteen. Any other, any, anybody else want to get out of their system, their least favorite Christmas song? No? All right. So this past Wednesday evening, I was driving away from a, an elder meeting just a couple nights ago, and I had the radio on, and it was on, I think, probably 93.3, Christmas, all Christmas, all the time. And I was thinking about things that we had talked about in the elder meeting. I wasn't really focused on anything. And all of a sudden, I realized that there was a song on. And I think it is absolutely the worst Christmas song by Elvis called Blue Christmas. Everyone tonight was wrong because Blue Christmas <laughs> is actually objectively the worst Christmas song there is. And I'm sorry if you love Elvis. I know he's the king and he's a legend. But man, I wish you'd have stuck to love songs and not Christmas songs. It's just a downer. And then I just started realizing that 
Christmas songs in many ways are analogous to our experience during Christmas. See, for the most part, if you're going to listen to, to nonstop Christmas, does anybody listen to nonstop Christmas music in this time of year? You guys are amazing. I was in Colorado a couple of years ago, and in July, I was paging through the channels like I do, and there was a Christmas channel that played nonstop all year long. Terrible. But Christmas music, if you stay listening to the radio long enough, you'll find that there's probably like three or four cheery songs, right? Really fun, festive, gets you in the Christmas spirit, and then there's a downer. And then there's Blue Christmas, or I'll Be Home for Christmas, or any one of those Christmas uh, shoes, anybody? That was a terrible one. Who wants to cry all, every time you sing a song? Anyways, we have three or four beautiful, fun, cheery Christmas songs, and then you get the downer. And I think that's kind of a, a decent analogy for where some of us are right now. So you enter into a room like this, where Christmas spirit is everywhere. The lights are beautiful and the, the, it's all dimmed out and we have candles and it's all beautiful. And we pass each other by saying Merry Christmas and giving hugs and smiles. But the reality is, is that in a room like this, there's for sure some people who are just aching on the inside. We're online. Maybe you're not here tonight because you couldn't bear it. Because it's just too hard. I had a, I went to a funeral this week for a person that I would really rather not have gone to their funeral. And they lost their battle with cancer. She was only 47 years old. And as I say that, I know some of you might be on the verge of tears because you have a loved one that you've lost because of cancer or because of any other reason. Well, maybe this is your first Christmas without them, or maybe it's just another Christmas where you can't stop thinking about them. Or maybe divorce has visited you and the quiet is overwhelming. Or maybe you lost a baby because of miscarriage. There, there's a million stories. And not all of them are cheery and fun. Every Advent, we, we let this Advent wreath kind of become our liturgical labyrinth where we follow this journey around the wreath like Shelley spoke to and let it guide us like a labyrinth to these signposts of Advent, these signposts that Shelley went through of peace and hope and joy and love and finally to that Christ candle that we're at tonight. Tonight, with the little time, I'm, I'm going to be short because it's freezing in here, but with the little time I have, I just want to think about how we experience those things, and not only how, but where. This liturgical labyrinth of the Advent wreath that guides us to these signposts. How does Christmas, the, the season, the, the, the love and the peace and the joy and the hope of Christmas, how and where does it meet us? This evening we're going to be in, well, we've been in the book of John. If you're part of Bruce City Church, you would know that we've been in the book of John since about July. And so it fits that we're going to stay in the book of John and look at John's Christmas story. 
Now, if you're a thinking person and you're acquainted with the Bible, you might be thinking, John, there, there is no Christmas story in the book of John. If you want a Christmas story, you go to Matthew or you go to Luke, obviously. But see, I think probably my favorite Christmas story in the Gospels is in the Gospel of John. See, John doesn't zoom in like Luke does. Luke zooms way in and we get stories of angels and shepherds and magi coming from the east and we get this nativity story of Jesus and Mary and Joseph in the barn and even though just, just spoiler, most scholars don't think that Jesus was born in a barn, he was in an extra room in a family house in Bethlehem, but that's a different sermon for a different Christmas. Luke zooms way in and we love this Christmas story, but see, the reason I love the Christmas story in the book of John is that he zooms way out. John is a big picture kind of guy. John isn't interested in telling us all the nitty-gritty details. John wants to tell us the story behind the story, if you know what I'm talking about. So we're going to dive into the story, this Christmas story in the book of John, and we're going to see how God brings that joy and love and hope and peace into our worlds that are like these Christmas songs. Some of them are perfect and cheery and bright. And for some of us, that's just not the reality. Let's, you can read on the screen if you want to. This is John 1, John's Christmas story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him, this word of God, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Skipping forward to verse 9, he says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. See, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Now John's telling us this is a story, this Christmas story is a story of light breaking into darkness. If I were to, if I were to ask you, I, I, if we were to clear our imaginations and our memories, and just say, hey, the world is a dark place, right? I mean, you just think about what's going on in Ukraine right now, thinking about what's going on all over the place. So we think about what's going on with our neighbor's world. The world is a dark place, and God wants to bring light to it. I want to tell you that. And most of us, if we didn't know this story, we'd get really excited. Yes, God is real, and God wants to bring light to our, the darkness of our world. He wants to illuminate the world and bring healing to it. Praise Jesus. Again, remember, your memory is totally cleared right now. How would God do that? How would God bring 
light to this darkened world. Because see, remember, God, remember friends, is God. God gets to do what God wants to do and how God wants to do it. See, if it were me, I would imagine that God, being God, would just kind of wave this godly magic wand or speak like in the beginning of, in the, beginning of the scriptures in Genesis 1. What, what happens when God wants light? What does God do? He just speaks it into existence. Let there be light. And there was light. Now that seems very godly. That seems very powerful. You speak and light just happens. This is how I would imagine it if you didn't tell me about the Christmas story. Light comes to darkness and illuminates it. And God basically just from afar, from his ivory tower in wherever heaven is, he he just speaks light and our world is illuminated. And there is no blue Christmas by Elvis anymore. See, it's all cheery and beautiful and bright because God spoke and there was light. That seems like a decent guess, right? But what we find is John, first of all, is John saying, don't reduce Jesus in this Christmas story to this, this helpless baby. Just Don't forget who Jesus is, even though Jesus, yes, become, the Christ becomes this helpless baby. Remember who is in the manger. This little helpless, innocent baby is actually the eternal Christ. The Word of God, the divine Logos who was in the beginning with God. When, when our story starts, this baby, the Jesus, the Christ was there. And not only was the Christ there, but Christ was, was speaking the, the world into existence. He's the one who spoke the Word, let there be light, and there was light. This is Jesus. He was with God in the beginning, and He was God in the beginning. The writer of Hebrews says it like this, that in Jesus, in Jesus' life, All things that exist are sustained by the power of his word. Don't forget who this baby is. Paul, the apostle Paul, put it like this in Colossians 1. He said, in Jesus is the fullness of God, the deity, in bodily form. As a matter of fact, Jesus, all things were created by Jesus and all things were created for Jesus. And in Christ, the life of Christ, all things in the cosmos, we saw these incredible Images come out because of the James Webb telescope. All things in the cosmos, even those things that we don't know about, are held together in the very life of Christ. When we think about this Christmas story and this, these beautiful nativity scenes, this is who that baby is, John says. And the way the light, the story of light and darkness that John is speaking to in his prologue light invading the darkness, the way God does it is not just by the way I would imagine God doing it, waving this magic wand and boom, there's light and you never have to worry about another thing in in the world. It says here in verse 9, see the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. See, God, who is God and can do things exactly how God wants to do them, chose not to stand from afar and speak light into existence and overwhelm all our darkness. See, the beautiful, the magic of this Christmas story in the book of John here, friends, is that John declares that God chose not to stand above our darkness and illuminate, but enter, to enter right in the middle 
of our darkness. The magic of the Christmas story is that right in the midst of the stuff that I was naming earlier, loss and pain and death and divorce and longing and all of the stuff that is in the back of our mind, and some of us want to just kind of just slap a little Christmas over the top of it and forget it doesn't exist. See, but God doesn't do that. The way the light invades the darkness is that the light, Jesus himself, inhabits our own personal darkness. This means, friends, that when you are sensing this this heaviness because of the weight of the world, Jesus is present right in that longing and that despair, present with us in it, just like this labyrinth of this liturgical labyrinth that, that speaks to hope and calls our attention to peace and, and, and wants to proclaim the joy that Jesus brings in our despair and the love that Jesus, that, that Jesus has brought to us and calls from us in the, the Christ candle in the middle. All of these things are met to us, friends, right in the middle of the real world that we live in. There is no magic wand during Christmas, but do we get something even better than a magic wand? You get the presence of Christ right where you are. And that means, friends, that where Jesus is, present with you in that moment, present with me in that moment of sitting with my friend who's lost his wife and whose future is full of fear and uncertainty, because of this Christmas story in the book of John that says that light has invaded the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. See, now I can know that as I sit there with Jesus, with my friend, I know that darkness does not win in his story. Christmas means that as I sit with pastorally with friends who are dealing with loss and all the stuff, I know that Jesus is present with me because, see, light has inhabited and invaded the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. See, where Jesus is, friends, the story of Christmas means where Jesus is, healing comes with him. Where Jesus is, friends, redemption and renewal will be the final story is what Christmas means, is that all of this stuff that we struggle with in this world, this now but not yet, like Shelley was talking about just a few minutes ago, that things are beautiful, we remember this time of year, but they're not quite where they need to be. We know the end of the story because Jesus has invaded our darkness and inhabits it with us in the darkness stands no chance. The story of Christmas is not some big grand thing. It's this messy, sometimes even disorganized, sometimes even just full of voices in this ancient story of God invading and inhabiting our darkness and bringing light to it. And we're going to get this really beautiful picture in just a minute. See, we're going to lower the lights. And we're going to start with this Christ candle, the light that comes from this one candle. And then me and Shelly are going to light candles, and then we're going to spread down the rows, and you guys are going to share that light with one another, and eventually this room is going to become light again because of the Christ candle. As this happens, friends, watch what happens as light goes further and further back. This is what's happening at Christmas. The light starts with Christ. And then 
and then the light comes to me, and then it goes to you, and then it goes to you, and then it goes to you, and eventually the whole place is illuminated. This is how Jesus works during Christmas. We're reminded in each and every story. So let's stand and pray real quick before we lower the lights and watch this metaphor happen before eyes. Jesus, I love this story. I love the story that because of the incarnation, all things matter. And all things, because of the incarnation, are being redeemed. That you come to bring your blessing far as the curse is found. That in the end, no stone will be left unturned. How about that? In the end, cancer loses. In the end, loneliness is done. In the end, longing has met its final destination in you, Jesus. In the end, there is peace and there is joy and there is hope that is realized. There is love and there is you, Jesus. So we sing like people have sung for thousands of years this, this cry of, O come, Emmanuel. And as we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, let us re be reminded that Jesus has come into our darkness and inhabits it with us and is illuminating it and bringing life. And all we can say is thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for showing my life matters. Thank you, Jesus, for showing that, that this, this world matters, that you love it enough to renew it and redeem it. And we say yes and amen. Let's sing together, friends.